Good morning. Welcome to Noblesville First on this Memorial Day weekend, and those who are watching online, we welcome you as well, and especially those that may even watch later. If you are worshiping from home, we invite you to light a candle to recognize that God is with you there just as God is with us here, and together we'll celebrate the Holy Spirit's presence. And that spirit, let us join together in our call to worship. Let every creature in heaven and on earth shout to God and sing with joy. Let us raise our prayers and praises to God and worship this day. I invite you to stand as we sing Morning Has Broken, verses 1, 2, and 3. Let us pray. Lord, we appreciate bringing us together on this beautiful day. We pray for those who gave the ultimate sacrifices. Remember those this Memorial Day weekend. Well, we pray for those, for the safety of those involved with the race today. We pray for families in Texas that have suffered so greatly and ask that our spirits Give them whatever comfort you can provide. And we pray for our gathering today that we might bring honor to your name, inspiration for our week, and fellowship for all. This is our prayer through Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior. Amen. You may be seated.
Good morning. This morning we'd like to share some prayer concerns and other thoughts with you. We ask that you please pray for strength for Kevin and Allison Cole to attend their son's high school graduation soon. Congratulations to Alex also on this milestone. Please keep Zoe and John Terhune in your prayers. They are now back home in Indiana. In fact, they were at Teeter this morning and Zoe will continue her medical care here for her health concerns. We also pray for Pastor Paul Ernst and his family as his brother James nears his passage to the heavenly kingdom of God in his hospice journey. Julie Richter has an upcoming surgical procedure soon and requests prayers from her church family as well. And we ask that you pray for Jerry Graham who is in the hospital at Community North and pray for Margie too as she supports and cares for Jerry. We extend our sincerest condolences and share our broken hearts with the families of the Uvalde, Texas shootings. Only God can take away such deep pain from this senseless tragedy, but we, as God's people, must make new changes now. We do celebrate the fact that we are worshiping together today and that we have a God that still loves us. Please note that the church office is closed tomorrow in observance of a Memorial Day. Please join me in a call to prayer. God of peace, we give thanks that we are reconciled to you 
through your everlasting love. And we pray that your love will work through us to bring peace in places of hatred and hostility. We remember in service to this nation. Empower us to honor them and not be resigned to injustice or indifference. Inspire us to build renewed relationships in these days of deepening divisions, sharing with others your reconciling love. We pray this in the name of Prince of Peace. Amen. Now please join me for a moment of silent prayer, and then I'll follow with a pastoral prayer, and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Most Holy Spirit, please pray with us to Jesus and our Father today. Many of our heroes wore camouflage and carried a pocket Bible and dog tags next to their hearts as they fell in battle. Others carried backpacks, coloring books, crayons, and tears of horror as their innocence was stripped away in their schools, churches, homes, and communities. We remember them all in every kind of war, in every corner of the earth, and pray for comfort and relief from the crushing devastation of the families and friends left behind. Lord Jesus, will there ever be a time when humankind, all of humankind, will stop forsaking each other here on earth. After thousands and thousands of years of idolatry and disobedience, it must still feel like we forsake you too. Forgive us, Father. We sin and we desperately need your love. We grieve with you for the ultimate victory given to us through Jesus Christ, our mighty Savior and peacemaker. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. And thank you for the Lord's Prayer that we say together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Beth. We decided to take a break from our stewardship videos this week, but I can still mention that we celebrated this morning as the 
first teeter outdoor worship, uh, looked around and saw all the produce that's taking off out of the farm. That thus far already we have donated nine, over 9,800 servings of fresh produce to Hamilton County Food Pantries. Our goal this year is 25,000. I think we're going to shatter that plan. It's a pretty good start. We're just getting getting going here. A few announcements to bring your attention. Uh, Allie Hall, our children's coordinator, is uh, looking for some volunteers this summer. If, if people could just dedicate one Sunday, she just needs to have a second person there to help with the kids. She'll do the lesson and everything, but she just needs to make sure that she's got a little extra help there. So if you can sign up for one Sunday this summer, there's eight Sundays she's got to fill. Uh, please email her at a hall, Allie Hall, at noblesofirst.com. Also, this Friday will be our second Teeter Adventure Club out at Teeter from 5 to 7. Uh, this uh, week's uh, experience is going to be learning about bees, so pretty fascinating group. We already have 35 kids signed up, so we look forward to a great group gathering. Also, as you know, today is our first week of our summer schedule, so the schedule through the summer will be 8.15 out of Teeter Outdoor Worship, 9.45 here in the sanctuary, just one service during this time, and then 11 o'clock Contemporary and Celebration Hall. And we invite you all to next week's Faith-Filled Farewell. Open house will be from 2 to 4 in the afternoon. Uh, not only will we be celebrating uh, that you get rid of me and Pastor Matt, but we'll be bringing back some of our staff that, that left during the pandemic for other things. They're coming back to celebrate the ministry they had with us then. So check out the list. That list of persons is on your in your worship uh, piece there. And uh, look forward to a great, great afternoon. And don't forget the Next Steps graphic is always available on our website to keep up with our uh, current events, uh, both near and far. So check that out. If you are new, please uh, meet Pam Kaplinger, our hospitality coordinator. She's got a free gift for you and will help you get better connected in our congregation. And as always, uh, as we celebrate the, the giving of our gifts and tithes today, uh, you can give in many ways. If you're watching online, you can use our website or download the Noblesville First app and give online to make sure that all these valuable ministries to our community are able to continue. Uh, so at this time, let us pause and ask for God's blessings upon the gifts that are offered. God of justice and mercy, the temptation is strong to make our gifts to you on Sunday feel as if we've done all that is expected. Then we wake up on Monday and live like all the rest of the world. But deep in our souls, we know that's not what Christ called us to do. But the safe road is so much easier. God of compassion, embolden us to be involved in some good trouble. Embolden us to stand out against the backdrop of a world that says take care of your own. Embolden us to use our voices to speak on behalf of the voiceless. To use our ears to hear the discouraged and defeated. And to use our arms to help the weak and powerless. In the name of the one who conquered death. Amen.
a seat. Good morning. Welcome again to Noblesville First. I'm Matt Hantelman, one of the pastors here at Noblesville First, and I am just really glad you're joining us for worship this morning. This morning is my final sermon here at Noblesville First, and I'd be lying if I said that I didn't struggle with coming up with what to say to you all this morning in light of that fact. And man, there's a lot to say, so strap in. Two weeks ago, the the bishop was here speaking in this service, and he was talking about the Methodist connection, and I was able to give the sermon you're about to hear down at the other end of the building for our contemporary service. And it was about what it means to be a Methodist. And currently, in the greater United Methodist Church, there's some debate about that. Um, Some of you may have heard of the conflict that's that's been going on in the Methodist Church over the past few decades (laughs) that has really come to a head in the past few years and has now culminated in a new denomination that started at the beginning of May, the Global Methodist Church. The primary driver of the strife and split, regardless of what you may have heard, is around our LGBTQ plus siblings. The global Methodist church is adamant and that it is imperative that our LGBTQ plus persons are kept from being ordained and married. Even, or enough so, that they wanted the bylaws to be written in such a way that breaking those particular rules carried a special measure of punishment. In fact, just to make sure I was informed, I went and read the Book of Discipline, which is the Methodist book of denominational laws around ordination and what it takes to be ordained, the qualifications and things like that. And there is a single thing that is called out as a reason not to be ordained in that section. In fact, it gets its own paragraph, and that is homosexuality. That's it. That's the only specifically named reason you can't be ordained in this church. Murderer? Serial divorcer? Drug addict? Those are case by case. Which is fine. I am not advocating to add more restrictions. Paul was a murderer. Peter lopped off at least one ear in his lifetime, and he was a hot-headed zealot to boot. My point is is that there is a purposeful, single-minded call-out against LGBTQ plus persons. And there was a time, especially as a pastor, to maybe be careful with words about this issue, and that time has passed. I do not, in any way, believe that being a homosexual or living as a homosexual in a monogamous relationship is sinful. It is not. And I have a lot, a lot of biblical study and research to back that up, back up that claim that I would love to sit and talk to you about at length 
if that's something you desire. And just to head off maybe the quickest argument at the pass, that I am challenging thousands of years of history, please know that the word homosexual was not even in the Bible until the 1940s. So I am not the one changing history. And I've heard people from this church call me as a pastor specifically to say, well, why can't they just go somewhere else? Why do they have to try to change our church? And I have to be honest that as a Christian, and especially as a Methodist, that breaks my heart. Because part of what it means to be a Methodist, and to me, a Christian, is having an open table where all are welcomed. And the idea, even if you do believe homosexuality is a sin, again, I do not. If you do, the idea that sinfulness should prevent someone from following a call into ordained ministry doesn't make sense to me. There's not a pastor alive that has rid themselves of sin, including lifelong struggles. If sin could get in the way of ordination, we would have no pastors. I think Jesus said it best when he said, he who is without sin should cast the first stone. Now, in the past decade or so, I've been incredibly hesitant to tell anyone that they are wrong about what is sin and what is not. Mainly because my beliefs about those things change as I learn more, as I, as I grow, as I encounter God more. So I'm not standing up here and telling you to believe something different than you do. If you believe homosexuality is a sin, I'm not telling you, you have to stop that, I'm your pastor. It's not why I'm here. I will tell you that I disagree with you, and that's not what I believe right now. But I'm not here to tell you what to believe. But I will say this. If you believe that a church should be allowed to define who they are as a way to blanketly exclude them from the church or ministry or whatever, you are wrong. Being a follower of Christ, as far as I'm concerned, means casting out the idea of creating others. There are no outsiders. No one is excluded. The love of God is bigger and wider and more grace-filled than we could ever imagine to the point that there should never be a them. Throughout scripture, God is repeatedly portrayed as reconciling all things, all people, willing, desiring, wishing that none would perish. So that's the first thing that I want you to know as I prepare 
to depart Noblesville first. I never want to be a part of a church that specifically creates others. And I hope you don't either. The open table and open hearts and open minds and open doors of the Methodist church should be something we continue to strive for and make more of a reality. Because I understand what I'm saying. I am currently a part of a church that defines others. We do today. Which is why in the midst of the struggle for the denomination, I didn't leave. I chose to become ordained to stay and fight to make this church, the Methodist church, what it says it is, open. I am one of them that that church member asked, why can't they just leave? I am one of those people who are trying to change this church. I believe for the better. And one of the beautiful things about the Methodist Church is the fact that at all levels from the bishop who was here two weeks ago down to every single one of you here in this congregation, we don't believe the same things. We all have different backgrounds and different beliefs and different theologies, and that is good. Good because I don't know how to say this nicely, but we are wrong a lot. At least as many Christians tried to protect slavery as fought against it. And there are major denominations today, including the entire Catholic Church, that still believe that women can't or aren't or shouldn't be called into ordained ministry. As soon as we all believe the same thing, we are no longer challenging each other to continue to examine the vast mystery that is our God. So the next thing that I want you to know as I prepare to depart Noblesville first is that I believe God is love and everything else is debatable. And I mean everything. In our Thursday worship group, we're walking through a book called Faith After Doubt. And one of the questions it asked was, what is something you used to know for sure? But now, when somebody asks, you have to say, I don't know. I think it might surprise some of you to hear that my answer to that question as a pastor was how you go and who is going to heaven someday. The more I study and read and pray, the less I feel like a single answer to that question does it justice. Apart maybe to say, I don't know, but God does. In everything, from the minutiae of the exact lineages in the Old Testament to major theologies like what actually happened to sin on the cross are debated daily by people 
far smarter and wiser than me. People smarter in the ways of biblical scholarship and ancient languages than I will ever be are consistently discovering new things and positing new theories that have the ability to change everything about how we understand the facets of Christianity. So we should allow ourselves to question. And for me, love has always been the one constant. Which is why I say God is love. Everything else is debatable. I think Paul, honestly, was thinking the same thing when he wrote a part of his letter to the church in Corinth. This is likely a passage you're familiar with because we read it at weddings. Even though that's not really the love Paul's talking about. I invite you to hear these words from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to read the whole chapter. Paul says, if I speak in tongues of human beings and angels, but I don't have love, I'm a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all the mysteries and everything else, and if I have such a complete faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away everything that I have and hand over my own body to feel good about what I've done, but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things. It trusts all things. It hopes for all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. But as for prophecies, they'll be brought to an end. As for tongues, they will stop. As for knowledge, it will be brought to an end. We know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, what is partial will be brought to an end. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, reason like a child, think like a child. But now that I've become a man, I put an end to those childish things. Now we see a reflection in a mirror, then we will see face to face. Now I know partially, then I will know completely in the same way that I've been completely known. Now faith, hope, and love remain. These three things. And the greatest of these is love. I like reading this passage and substituting anywhere the word love is with the word God. Because the Bible tells us that God is love. God is patient. God is kind. God keeps no record of complaints and is not happy with injustice, but is happy with the truth. God puts up with all things, endures all things, hopes for all things. Trusts all things and God never fails. And Paul says that having things like knowledge, 
prophecy and even faith that can move mountains is just meaningless if you don't have love. And I think that makes sense because while prophecy and faith are things that we do for God, love is how we embody God. Love is letting the God that fills us out into the world. Because God is love. Maybe said differently, those three things that are left, faith, hope, and love. Faith is a gift we give to God. Hope is a gift God gives to us. But love is God. It is what makes up our creator. And so, yes, We should debate and discuss and grow in human constructs like theology, something we made up. We should be comfortable admitting that change is okay in those things because human constructs by their nature are imperfect. So question, search, doubt, grow, talk. Be in community with people and learn who God is more and more. And that brings me to the third thing that I'd like to share with you before I depart Noblesville first. I am wrong. But praise God, being right is not the point. God never said that all he desires is your right belief, your correct theology. God said, I want your contrite heart. I want you to love people the way I love people. The vast majority about what I believe about theology today is in conflict with myself from 10 years ago. And don't even get me started on 20 years ago. In fact, I was talking with a group the other week about writing a letter to your former self about faith. If you could write that letter and tell your former self something about faith to help them along or give them hope, what would you write? And I really struggled with that question because myself in the past might look at me today and say, man, that guy is lost. (laughs) My beliefs vary that much. So I know that anything that I would write would would be met skeptically from my past self. So where I landed was to say that I would tell my former self to not shy away from hard questions. Lean into them. Don't be afraid to ask questions that might shake your very foundations. Because if your true foundation is God, it won't shake. Said differently, if you ask a foundation-shaking question and your foundation shakes, you should be asking that question. You need to ask that question. You need to lean into that question and say, what is wrong with this? Because Jesus said, if you build your house upon the rock, the waves will rise, the wind will blow, and your foundation will not be shaken. 
which is why for the last six years or so here back at Noblesville First, I've made it my mission to try and teach how to learn and discern truth instead of telling you this is what you should believe. Because anything I tell you to believe today might not even be something I believe later. <laughs> Excepting, in my life's experience, that God is love. So I don't want to tell you this is what you should believe because more than likely, I'm wrong. But praise God, being right is not the point. Which brings me to the last thing that I want you to know as I plan to depart Noblesville first. Do all the good you can in all the ways you can to all the souls you can in every place you can at all the times you can with all the zeal you can as long as ever you can. This quote is attributed to John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, even though it likely wasn't actually him that said it. But either way, the sentiment is in the right place. If I were to try to say it more succinctly, I might say, I want my whole life to be about bringing the kingdom of God here. Whether you want to talk about what it means to be sanctified or holy or set apart or different, or you want to talk about sharing the gospel or the good news or evangelizing or proselytizing or you want to talk about the kingdom of heaven or the age to come or the kingdom of God. It all leads to the same place living now as the kingdom of God was meant to be and is to come. Loving all people and acting, as Paul put it, as ambassadors of God's reconciliation. As God works to reconcile all things back to God, we work alongside to make sure everybody and everything knows that reconciliation is happening. And that reconciliation is for all things. If you heard me preach at length ever before, you know that I like nerdy things. I like digging into Greek Language, the ancient Greek language, Hebrew language, I like understanding the different ways words can be interpreted or translated. And it's, it's a hard thing, right? They're dead languages. We don't actually know all the time. I've said this before, but Hebrew, Hebrew has about 10,000 words. English, in its modern-day usage, has about 200,000 words. So you're trying to fit 10,000 words into 200,000 and figure out this word can mean like seven different things. And then you go the other way and be like, but the Hebrews have like six words for love and we only have one. So we're, this Greek word that they use, that Paul uses here to talk about God reconciling all things. It actually only has one meaning that we're aware of. Do you know what it is? All! Everything, no exceptions, no caveats, not just these all or that all. All, when God says he is reconciling all things and he wants you to be the ambassador, it means anything you are doing to block anyone or anything from finding their way back to God is a hindrance to him. All things, all people, all trees, all oceans, all animals, all bugs. 
Really? All bugs? Yes. All things. Everything is being reconciled back to God. There are about a million more things that I'd like to say to you, that I'd like to leave you with if we had forever to talk about it. But we don't. As always, I do want you to know that if you want to know more, or you want to discuss or debate or argue anything that I've said, I'd love to do that with you. I think that's how we grow. I'll even buy the meal or the coffee it takes to do it. Just let me know. But for now, to recap, here's what I want you to know. I never want to be a part of a church that specifically creates others. I believe that God is love and everything else is debatable. I am wrong. But praise God, being right is not the point. And I want my life to be about bringing the kingdom of God here. It has been my immense pleasure to share this portion of my life with you. And I pray that this has been a meaningful leg of the ever-continuing journey. Amen. We now invite you to go in the faith and the knowledge that God is love and everything else is debatable. Go in peace.